0: Welcome to the Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the Climate Tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines. The people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech will need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of uh, Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech, Fifth Walls podcast, where we talk to leaders who are trying to decarbonize the built environment. And uh, today, we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to uh, Gary Cooper, who is the CEO, co-founder, and chief cheerleader at uh, at Reaply. Gary, thanks very much for taking the time with us today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so Gary, uh, I always love to hear how people got to where they are today because I, I think there's there's no straightforward story for startup startup founders. So, yeah, we'd love to just hear a little uh, a little bit about how you got to founding Reaply and and what led you to this point.
1: Absolutely. It's it's very surprising um so i was uh completing my PhD in neuroscience trying to find a cure for parkinson's disease um at northwest university here in chicago which is where i am today and i just noticed that my lab had kind of a rich scenario we had lots of resources we had lots of funding thank goodness um but there were labs across the hallway even Um, that were smaller, who didn't have our resources, and who unfortunately didn't have the same type of funding to do the important work that they needed to do. So I would go to lunch with colleagues of mine, and they would say, man, if I had this thing or that, I would be able to do this experiment or this or another experiment. And I would say things like, oh, we just have that in our refrigerator, or we have that in a closet that we're not using, do you want to use it? And so instead of just having that be a very reactive kind of conversation every now and again, I started a program, quote, quote unquote, at re, at uh, Northwestern, where I would pile things that our lab no longer need on a cart. And I would just push this cart around the floor and redistribute things that we weren't using anymore. You know, just sharing, <laughs> um, not super Einsteinian. And um Uh, People liked it. So I did that like once a month, Um, even into my postdoctoral fellowship, I did that once a month for about a year and a half. And then I left um, Northwestern and I went into consulting at Ernst & Young, where I worked on supply chain issues for the Fortune 500. And people at Northwestern would still email email me as though I was there and saying, hey, Gary, (laughs) I haven't seen you. Where's the cart? Where's the cart? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't been there in two, three years. So um, my best friend uh, was a senior front-end developer at a pretty successful company here in Chicago called Guaranteed Rate. And I had pitched him about for nine years about ideas and things that we could do together. He thought all of them were pretty stupid. Um, and I remember <laughs> pitching him this idea of trying to build out a solution so that you could share internally within businesses. And he thought that that was not such a bad idea and
0: kind of Ripley was born. Yep, that that's incredible. I love that. I love the wind, winding way. Though actually, also, I think maybe the craziest jump here was from from neuroscience to uh, to, <laughs> to consulting and supply chain. Um, yes. that, that's yes. a little bit Don't of a left ever step. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so this is actually um, I'm I'm very familiar with this with this problem from when I was at uh, at Neuralink, right? Because we had multiple multiple labs and uh, just spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on pieces of equipment. That you, know, you look at these things, it's just a small box that sits on a desk and it costs you know twenty five thousand dollars.
1: Funny funny story. Neuralink was like my dream job if I if I didn't start Replay. So I was like, I want to go. Work at Neuralink if I did start Reaply. That's another question. No one ever asked me either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if Reaply doesn't work out, you know, I can I can move. <laughs> <re-ho-care. laughs> um, okay, so I think you started touching on this a little bit, but um, uh, let's maybe go back to the beginning. Um, what is the ultimate problem that you see out there that that Reaply wants to wants to solve?
1: Yeah. So the ultimate problem is pretty well stated. So I'll try to make it abridged here. So. Um, In the built environment, especially, over the next decade, 72% of global emissions will come from embodied carbon. That's the carbon that's embodied in the material that we make up, you know, make up our homes and our buildings, steel, concrete, plastic. And so beyond that kind of can we help fight the, the good fight of climate change, there's a real kind of environmental justice issue. Um, So in most low income areas are where most landfills are, and those landfills are overflowing with things from the built environment. And so the way that we look at the problem statement is, can we help businesses, can we help companies save money by reusing things? But two, can we actually do one of the biggest, um, can we have one of the biggest impacts around global climate, um, the, the global climate fight by just trying to find ways to circulate things for another use cycle. And to date, globally, it's about 8.6% circularity in the the globe. So we're not doing such a great job. And and one of my hypotheses is is that there's just no technology to help solve that problem. So it's really about getting things out of the landfill, um, stop manufacturing new things, and trying to find ways to reuse the things that are already been manufactured.
0: Yep, yep, and this is actually something that uh, again I've I've had some some experience with. Um, in the sort of two thousand and eight meltdown, I still have an office chair which uh, originally some startup bought for I don't know like fifteen hundred dollars, some like Eames chair or something <laughs> that I I managed to get when that when that startup shut down for three dollars, um, and I wow. still have it and it's great. <laughs> But I feel like, you know, uh, people get get their 10-year office lease, they go and do a big build-out, um, they go and get all new everything into it. I don't know what happens with all of the stuff that was previously in there, um, but then also all of the uh, equipment that people have. There's just so much stuff that, that um, businesses throw out that is still pretty damn good quality, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we just can't sustain that activity. And it's actually just a better business model not to do that, right? So if you if you think about, you know, kind of even going into how big this could be, you know, so the Ellen MacArthur Foundation estimates that a scale circular economy globally is four and a half trillion o- economic opportunity. In fact, outside of clean energy, it is the largest global oppor- economic opportunity out there. But again, there's just really no technology infrastructure to really bring that kind of opportunity to scale locally here in the united states the federal reserve estimates that there's about 630 billion dollars of commercial assets that sit or under you underused um, within companies today so not in the private public sector not in universities just within corporations there's over 600 plus billion dollars indeed that is actually um an aggregate larger than the economies of 44 of the 50 states in the United States. So <laughs> I like to say, literally, there is an economy of the unused things in the business world in the United States, but also globally. And so there's there's both that kind of um, environmental impor- importance that we talked about at the beginning, but there's also a real financial business case of circularity that um, everyone should get excited about.
0: Yeah, well, actually, the way I kind of like to think about it is, um, so many of our other large startups um, over the last, you know, decade or so have been all about better utilizing underutilized assets, right? Lyft and Uber are about better utilizing cars, right? Airbnb is about better utilizing, you know, homes, right? Um, and I'm sure that there are a bunch of other examples. Essentially, what you're trying to tap into here, and we'll, uh, we'll get next into exactly what it is that Reaply does, but there, there is just this massive pool of underutilized assets in the business world. And you can build a monstrous business on top of that if you can end up helping people to better utilize these things, right? So with that as a foray, uh, no pressure, but you need to be as big as Uber. Um, <laughs> what is it exactly that that Reaply does? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Reaply's vision is to make the world's resources um, discoverable, easily transferable, and then more valuable. What does that mean today? So we're building technology to scale the circular economy, right? I talked about 8.6%. We can't take that home to anybody. It's not really having an effect. We need to scale global circularity, and we need that technology to get us there. Today, Reaply is helping organizations with reuse. So we build technology to help them reuse physical resources that they've already procured internally. If they can no longer use those items internally, then we help them with resale, donations, recycle into the communities that they serve so that items never, ever go to landfill and that they find homes where they can be best used in that next cycle of their their utilization. So really just this building technology uh, for reuse right now, um, but the larger kind of vision is to really use that technology platform to help scale grow global circularity in the working world, at least.
0: Got it. Okay, maybe let, let's make it a little bit more tangible. Give me a case study of, you know, Bob, the facilities manager, What what is he doing? And uh, and where does the value go to who,
1: right? Totally. So at, at a client, um, you know, under a thousand NDAs, but under a client that's like, talks about A to Z, um, let's just say they have, hundreds of millions of pieces of furniture, hundreds of millions of pieces of furniture. Um, They have absolutely no inventory to where all that furniture is. And so when any one employee wants a new piece of furniture, what do they do? They go and just buy one. Um, Meanwhile, the surplus furniture just sits idle. And now this new piece of furniture, after that first employee gets done using it, it will make its way into some surplus warehouse. And the problem just aggregates itself. So what Reaply has been able to come in and do with this client is to first inventory all of the available furniture. So the first thing we have to do is make things visible. You can't make anything circular if you don't know about it. So you get it all on one unified platform. That platform acts like an internal Amazon, eBay, kind of whatever analogy you want to use, internal catalog. Then people each shop on Reaply first as a procurement motion before they're shopping in their e-procurement system for Virgin products. So that way they're resourcing, reused or recycled products that's already at their business. Um, And then we're tracking things like how much money they're saving, how much embodied carbon they're um, reducing, how much waste they're diverting. Um, We kind of do something really fun where we gamify the whole platform from employees. So each month we run kind of um, games. The the people who reuse the most things, purchase the less, they literally get money from Reaply for that. So you get green for being green. Um, And then if the the business can no longer use these hundreds of pieces of furniture, we have a whole suite of charities, of recycling partners, of decommissioning partners that will then take these things as a part of our work with this company um, off their hands. And then we kind of report out where all those items are. And some really cool stories about where some of these items can go from a community perspective, you know, back in homes where children are at home learning. Um, it might live in a very low income area where they don't even have a desk or chair. Now they're getting a desk or chair that to your point is a $1,500 chair, um, that was going to go to landfill. So that's kind of how it will work for kind of the typical kind of case study. And then we kind of just rev up to different asset types. So maybe we started with chairs. Now we get into the laboratory with kind of laboratory equipment or laboratory consumables. Then we rev up to manufacturing if there's a manufacturing company. So we get to the CapEx and try to help them in their suppliers with CapEx management. And so the whole idea is at some point, this this fictional company that has A to Z, um, we are, there is one platform that has literally all of the things that they own on it and their employees have access to that so that they can make better procurement decisions and disposition decisions.
0: Yep. Got it. And where the rubber meets the road, right? Is, is the juice worth the squeeze here? What what sort of like savings, I don't know, do, dollars and carbon and all of these things do, do customers see? Yeah. So to kind of give you one
1: example that I could easily talk about. So um, at Google, actually, we were able to, in about a month, save them about 1.5 million dollars by just helping them with one small warehouse that they were decommissioning so essentially at google x they had as you know google x buys lots of crazy things because they're doing really crazy things and they had a warehouse of which had lots of really cool things in but they weren't those items were used for projects that didn't succeed so they were just sitting there and our our customer noticed that people were submitting po's for stuff that she had just approved a month later that was purchased. So she was like, oh, people just need to know what's in the warehouse. And so also I should mention that warehouse was costing $30,000 from a rent perspective each month to have.
0: By, by the way, I'm, I'm picturing that warehouse from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like That's probably what it looked like, right?
1: I can't <laughs> say what was in there, but let's just say stuff that you can't buy at Walmart yeah. or Target. Yeah. Um, And so we went in, we helped inventory all the things in the warehouse, we put on our platform, and literally in a month, 90% of it had been refactored back into the Alphabet family of companies. And the other 10%, we were either able to donate to the Stanfords or the the local high schooling systems in Oakland, or we were able to resell uh, through kind of our suite of liquidators and disposition partners. So they were able to, after a month, get rid of that costly warehouse that they had had for two years. Um, basically, also gained one point five million dollars in net revenue just from selling that ten percent, and there was another couple of millions of savings of not having to purchase the things that they were able actually to reuse uh, internally. In fact, Reefly won an award, a case study or circular economy case study award based on that small amount of work, and we've been able to um, evolve our relationship with Google. And now at Google, we are going to be managing all of the property within all the Google properties in California. And actually, the circular economy leader at Google sits on my board of directors. So we have kind of a long-standing relationship now with Google and, and hopefully to do that at more places.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those are some incredible numbers. But also, I think logically, you can you can expand this into, you know, right now, all of your examples have been sort of inside one company, get people to reuse stuff. But surely, you can end up with kind of a global marketplace. Why aren't companies, you know, sharing with other companies? and uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. In fact, we are—we just announced a partnership with the City of San Francisco. So next year, at the beginning of next year, um, we're going to be launch, launching briefly for the whole city. So the, so if you are deconstructing a building um, in the City of San Francisco, or you constructing a building, or you're just a small business owner and you, or an artist and you like taking reclaimed things and kind of making new things out of them, um, there's going to be a platform in the city run by Reaply, that you will be able to you know, buy really cool things or share really cool things that you don't need anymore um, because the city itself is trying to get to net zero from both a waste and carbon perspective. But also they have an ordinance that basically requires new construction to contain some bit of kind of reused items. And the problem they've always had is how we operationalize that for construction companies. And so Reaply is going to help kind of operationalize that catalog of trying to find these materials Um, And just make deconstruction just way more planned, way more predictable, and not just everything goes to a landfill or dumping spot.
0: Yep, absolutely. That's very inspirational because the way I can see it, you know, specifically for our sort of big commercial real estate partners is, you know, they've got massive office buildings with dozens or hundreds of tenants inside them. And as each of those tenants are cycling through, they're doing their own office build-outs and office decommissionings, right? There should just be a central sort of database of all of the stuff that is available um, so that the next people moving in are, are able to access that, right? Totally. You can pre-claim it, you can
1: pre-sell it. You know, So one of the things is, if you have your whole building inventory and you know two years from now, we're going to re reno or we're going to de- demo this building, you can start pre-selling, pre-donating these assets well before that project happens. Um, but the problem is, right now, you you need to you know knock over the building, and then in t- two weeks you have two weeks to like donate every material, and that's just like not real world. So that's why having data about what we have and what we own, and where are those things, and what condition they're in, is a central part of circular. We we have to start with making resources discoverable. Otherwise, none of the circularity theory actually even works in
0: my mind. Yep, absolutely. yeah. So look, this is clearly a very inspirational uh, product. But what I love about this this idea is I think a lot of people want to reuse things. They want to do it. It's just it hasn't been easy. It's always very difficult. And when you just make it easy for people, they ultimately want to do it in any case. And so I'm sure you see very rapid uptick in your, in your end customer base, right? And that's why your numbers are so good. Yeah, no, it's and, you know, we thought with the gamification
1: that we just needed to like add some type of incentive, but actually, for a lot of our customers, people just do it because the new generation recognizes all the things that the IPCC says. Right? Like we are code red. You can see the weather changing. You can see climate of climate change having effect in our daily lives. And so it's like, what can I do, both at home and at work, even if it's small, to help start to mitigate a little bit of that. And so when we launch. At a BP, at a uh, Google, or whatever the customer is, we get a lot of people both giving us feedback, but just really interested in it because they're trying to find these easy ways to help with this fight. Um, and so it's actually been quite inspiring um, to to hear some of the stories. Um, and so it's, it's it's actually one of my biggest joys to kind of look at like where items are going and you're know, hearing some of the stories. And and then we also just provide a lot of information. Because I think a lot of the times with some of the academic theoretical talk in kind of the clean tech and climate tech space, it gets above ahead of a lot of people who have to actually operationalize these projects. And so, yeah, let's be practical, let's be practical, (laughs) let's talk plainly, like we don't need to use the word circular economy when we really just mean sharing, you know, so they're just just things that we try to do at Reaply even beyond our product to really motivate people and, and inform people about the small things that they can do to actually have a bigger impact.
0: Yep, yeah, got it. Yeah, Fant- fantastic product, real world numbers, really helping out the environment, but also people's bottom lines. Um, this is kind of like a, you know, typically it's you can buy something faster, better, cheaper, pick two. This is one of those examples where it's just kind of faster, better, cheaper, you get all of these things at the same time. Um, so fa- fantastic to chat with you, Gary. Uh, where can uh, folks find out more? They can find out
1: more at Reaply.com, which is R-H-E-A-P-L-Y.com. Um, and we have a lot of information there. It's all free. So come a little learn about, about reuse, about recycling, about embodied carbon. We have a lot of things in our library. And if something there is of interest, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to have a chat with you about reuse or how we can do that with your organization.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for uh, taking the time with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Reuse circular economy. Go, go, go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's tactical tool belt climate tech podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.